Well, welcome. Uh, Bobby's got getting an aerobic workout every weekend here. Uh, it's so good to have you. If you're new here, welcome. We don't always sit like this. Some of you are like praising Jesus that we won't be sitting like this. Someone just told me the last service that they hated the seating. Like, wow, that was pretty. You know why, though? They said, those of you sitting across from the other person, it's distracting. So it's like movement and all. So stay really still if you can because someone's watching you. Um, you know what was really funny? The first week we did it, and I don't know who they are, so I don't care really, but someone was drawing on somebody right here on the video. So people were like emailing in, who's drawing on somebody right there? Here I thought I was giving a powerful message that was just gripping, and they're staring at everybody else in the audience. Anyway. Well, even in a series uh, about the Holy Spirit, and the, the Holy Spirit is one um, that we don't talk much about, and uh, I'm going to hand this to somebody before I hurt myself on that thing. There we go. Uh, the Holy Spirit is one part of the Trinity that we typically don't talk much about in, in the church, and so it's our chance to, to really talk about the Spirit, because the Spirit is who is left for us uh, for the transformation that, that Christ promises. In John 17, Jesus is going to pray a prayer, and he says, he says to the Father, um, I'm going to leave them here in the world. And in essence, he's saying, I'm leaving the Spirit, and there's going to be transformation that's going to go on. Paul will talk about this in, in Romans chapter 12, that there's going to be a transformation of mind and heart and just the entirety of their life. And we've really been addressing this. And I need to say, kind of just as an honest confession, I love the singing time that we have, the, the worship time, and as sometimes Bobby will call out the lyrics. And if, if you're not one that's very confident uh, about your voice, I just I want to encourage you. There's something about just reading the words and let that be an anthem for your heart. This Bible, the scriptures that we talk about, is filled with men and women that were not afraid to open up their mouths and just proclaim his glory. This is Palm Sunday. Palm Sunday is a time where people welcome Jesus in the city. They proclaimed his glory. They had really no idea what was about to unfold, but they opened their mouths and proclaimed. And really, that's the, what the Spirit does to a life. He begins to change and transform. And we said, how does this happen? And we looked at this statement that Tony Evans gave, and it's a good one. It says that spiritual intimacy will increase our spiritual capacity. In other words, essentially, we always try to take the responsibility for spirituality, don't we? We think if we work harder, if we can memorize more Scripture, and those are not bad things, but if we do reduce our relationship with God with just collecting to-dos and operating, it's kind of what the guy said in the video, we, we find ourselves in religious activity, but not in a relationship. And the Spirit is calling us to lean into an intimate relationship with Jesus. When we do that, the capacity of our lives opens up. Remember I said it's to dwell. It's to the, the Spirit to take residency. We know that becoming a Christ follower, we receive the Holy Spirit, but we can resist and we can grieve and we can hold back the Spirit's work in our lives. We do that by limiting what rooms we have. Bobby just mentioned it about finance. When, when the Spirit comes into our lives and we begin to open up the full of our lives to Him, 
we open up our finances and our parenting and how we treat our spouse and how we, we, we work with workmates and, and how we drive and, and how we speak. Everything just gets saturated and God has full residency in our lives. Many, though, come to Christ and say, I buy what you're selling, but I'm only going to have you sit in the living room. You ever been invited to somebody's house and kind of just said, hey, stay in this room? Because you don't want to go in the other rooms of the house. We've probably done it, right? We've done it. My wife will give me the instruction. Here's all the rooms that no one's to go in today. <laughs> Sorry, honey. So if you've been stuck in our living room, you know why. There's disaster everywhere else. And I think that is really a reflection a lot about how people live their lives spiritually. They said, God, I'll give you Sunday, but Monday through Saturday is a wreck. I'll give you... I'll give you a Sunday morning, and I'll maybe do a quiet time here and there, but don't tell me about how to spend my money. Don't tell me how to, to work. And so we find ourselves resisting the full capacity of the Spirit's activity in our lives. And I have to just be honest, too, that this is kind of a mystery still to me. How that happens, I don't fully understand. I know that I'm to pursue a real relationship with Jesus, to, to fall in love with him. It increases our spiritual capacity and that grants more access to spiritual power. It's not access for us to wield. It's not like we pull out now this power and check it out how spiritual I am. We just find ourselves like a hurricane. This whirlwind of activity as he begins to transform so many parts of our lives. And when the Spirit's at work, friends, you can't take credit. You probably step back and say, whoa. I had no idea the impact of what God's doing around me and what people are seeing. We've talked for weeks now about this, this idea of transformation and we said that when the Spirit is, is taking residency in our lives and we're intimately pursuing that relationship with Jesus Christ, He, he changes our hearts. He changes our love. We find ourselves, our hearts being overwhelmed. Aren't you in the moments of some of those songs? Not about you, but I long. The, the music for me just is like a, a love song, a, a heart of worship. And I just feel a sense of that. Some of you are not motivated by music, and that's all right. Um, just fair warning, heaven is like singing for eternity. So you probably should begin to like wean yourself onto some level of music. Um, otherwise, it's going to be miserable for you. But a heart changes. And there's just this love to just say it. And that's what's so inspirational about us gathering as the church and to be reminded together in song. And I challenge some of you who find it difficult to open up your vocal cords and to proclaim him. That this book, this, this narrative, this, this amazing story of God's love for us is that it's man and woman and child that are falling in love with him that are just proclaiming his glory. I mean, read the Psalms. It just says, God, in the wonder of who you are, I can't help but sing. I can't help but say who you are. Not only does he overwhelm our hearts, though, he overwhelms the sin in our lives, and we know that Jesus pays the price. He, he pays the full wage and replaces. He becomes the, you know, the 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 gift to us that pays the full price of sin and redeems us. 
But then we have life and the Spirit, and the Spirit allows us the power to overcome sin. I often thought early in my spiritual journey that I could just resist sin. I'll show God how much I love Him, and I'll just prove how disciplined I am. And how many of you found just how disappointing you are to God pretty quickly, yeah? Only of a couple of us. The rest of you are just so good. Come on, I, I feel overwhelmed about, you know, whether it's snow banks in my driveway that get in my way. But we find that, that it's not necessarily about us, it's the Spirit provides power for us. I've been just sitting in this idea that, that Byron Yon talked to us about, that we worship our way into sin and we worship ourselves out of it. That has been haunting and a blessing to me. The next time you are tempted and you sense the flesh, ask yourself, what will I worship in this moment? That's a powerful statement, isn't it? What you worship. That has been very, very convicting for me in, in creating freedom, but not because of me, but because of the Spirit's work in me. He'll help us overcome sin, and it doesn't make us self-righteous where we can point at other people and say, hey, everybody else is so bad. In fact, when Paul says in 1 Timothy 6, he says, fight the good fight, he's not saying fight the immorality around you. He's saying fight your own battle, the struggle with the flesh. It doesn't matter how long I have been a Christian and a Christ follower and love Jesus, the flesh is still present, and I will not fully be freed until he returns. Because of this, though, we found that we started talking about he overwhelms our minds and he teaches us. And that is such a blessing. James, it says that you believe uh, in God. He says, that's, that's really great. I'm just so proud of you, but demons also believe in God. In fact, he's basically saying to reduce a relationship with God to some intellectual interaction is not something to brag about. God is looking for your heart. He's, he's looking for your heart. And so he says in this idea about minds, he says, I will reveal all things to you, but what we, don't, what we don't want to become is people that just have head knowledge without heart. When we have a heart that's in love with Jesus, then we want to know about him. And we want to look at this book as not a moral handbook. As again, we heard from Byron Yon at the men's retreat, he just said, this book is not... God's idea of highlighting some superstar Christians and like saying, hey, be like them. And I, really, it's, it's highlighting people that needed Jesus. It's, they needed Jesus. And so do we. And it's for us to look at this as saying, how should we be like Christ? And how can we live like Him? But that's the Spirit's work as He teaches us all things through this great narrative in this inspired book we call the Bible. But then it says it, it changes our purpose. As the overwhelming activity, God and His Spirit will begin to change your life. And I've met with some that have just said, you know, I thought I was supposed to do this. I'm feeling led that God is going to change the course of my entire life. I can't tell you how many times someone was said, hey, there's a career that I thought I was supposed to have but, and, and a retirement and a plan, but God just shook it all up. It's like you took that snow globe and just all the activity has completely changed everything that my perspective about what he wants. And I pray for that. I pray that God unearths your plans. That he shakes up your plans in such a radical way 
that he uses you for his glory and that you find yourself so intimately in love with him that you could do nothing else except want to be in his purposes. This is what the the Spirit does, and so it leads us to this last week on Palm Sunday, a Sunday in which the city of Jerusalem, as Trish and I last year were at the gates of Jerusalem, and just thinking about from him riding in into this this old city, and for them just to cry out Hosanna and to lay palm branches down, and to to sense that they were just overwhelmed with this chance to proclaim. Now the word witness in the New Testament often refers to martyrdom, which means to die for your faith. And while there's the reality that could happen to any one of us in this room, it's not necessarily um, probable or, or it doesn't necessarily happen a lot in our culture. It happens all over the world though. And there's another attached to this really is overwhelms our evangelism or our ability to speak about Jesus. A lot of the problem we have today in the culture is I think we've, we've reduced this idea of sharing our faith to tracks or a formula. If you don't share it in this exact way, you don't, they, they won't know Jesus and you've reduced it that if you don't have this formula, they'll miss it all or they don't have that, that spiritual cocktail of they're just going to just fall on their knees because of what you've just said. Friends, that puts so much responsibility and so much more power in our hands, which is not in our hands. You're going to find in a moment that the Spirit is the one that bears witness through our lives. We're going to find what our role in this is, but it's not that we have to have the right words in tracks. It's not because we wear crosses or t-shirts. It's not this idea that if I just be a good Christian around people at work, they somehow will just figure it out. And I think we've reduced it to that and we've missed a basic, and that is that we need to speak the words. To be able to speak the words that I love Jesus Christ. I want to talk a little bit about this idea of evangelism. Now, if we're evaluators this morning, and I were to give you kind of the responsibility to, to grade someone's witness or evangelism or chance to share their faith. We're going to look at a passage here of Peter. Now, Peter is a great example. Um, we see, we kind of like his character and not like his character, but all throughout his journey with Jesus, he is the one that probably would irritate most of us, right? He was the one that was jumping ahead in line. He was the one that said, pick me, Jesus, I will outwork and out-faith and out-share and out-love every one of these disciples. You know, pick me, I'm going to walk on water. And he's the one that wants to be the one. Now we see this struggle because other disciples asked to sit in the right and left, and there's a lot of tension. Isn't it great to read this about the disciples, that they're so imperfect? It's a group of, of men that can't quite follow Jesus like they think they can. If any lesson this morning, we just recognize we are much like the disciples, struggling. So Peter here, let's just grade his interaction. Jesus has been arrested, and Peter gets this teed-up opportunity. You know, some of you golfers, it's this, it's this opportunity. It, everything is set perfect. 
It says, now Peter was sitting in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. Now let's just say, in that time, women weren't respected or honored like we do as much today. But a servant girl. And there's something about someone that's much younger than you, right? We seem to have some confidence, don't we? Well, we could share with them. They're the kids. Not only that, this is a servant girl or a slave. How easy of a teed-up opportunity does Peter have to say, yes, I do know him. He says this, you were also, she says, you were also with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but he denies it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about. Now, if we're just grading Peter on this little interaction for witnessing, or if, if maybe it was a friend, what would you give them on this interaction of sharing their faith? You know, would you give them a C, C minus? You know, would you give him a D? Well, well, let's keep going. He denies him, and he says, then he went out the gateway where another servant girl, okay, second servant girl, says to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. I saw him. She's teed it up great for him, and he says, he denies it again with an oath. I promise to you, or I swear, and he yells, I don't know the man. You might have been gracious as a teacher to give him maybe a D or a C minus, I don't know. But what do you grade Peter now? Now he, he openly says, I don't know him. Look at verse 73, after a little while, those standing. So God gives him a little bit of a break, a couple minutes to take a breather. They're, they're, those standing up went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them. Your accent gives you away. Full proof that he's been a part of this discipleship group with Jesus. Verse 74 says, Then he began to call down curses and swears to them, I don't know the man. And this is Peter who walked on the water. This is Peter who said, I'll do anything for you, God. And I find that in the church today, we can come in here and sing and talk about how much we love God, and yet don't we find ourselves failing to speak the words? Because didn't, didn't all Peter have to say is, yes, I know him. I love him. What's interesting, I think, this morning is uh, not for guilt and shame, because that's not the point this morning, but when we are intimate with Jesus, when we begin to pursue relationship with Jesus, we find ourselves seeing opportunities open, and we want to say the words. Really, we see that Peter is an image failure. Right? We said last week, image bearers. When we're intimate with Christ, we get these opportunities. And, and Peter is just the perfect example of image failure. Man, I've felt like that so many times. There's been situations throughout my life where you know what I'm talking about. You're, you're in a situation and someone says there's something different about you. And you see the door open, metaphorically speaking. You know what I'm talking about? You see it open, or someone says something. You're one of those Christians, or whatever they've said, but you sense it. Do you know what I'm talking about? You sensed it. And it's your chance, just like Peter had. 
Can you imagine when Peter heard that rooster crow, his sense of, ah, and I felt that way. Well, I don't want to leave us here this morning depressed and like feeling horrible and, you know, oh, you're so bad, we're all so bad. There is hope for us, and the hope is really that as we pursue this intimate relationship with Jesus, something can change. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of the God. In other words, what starts to happen immediately when you accept Jesus and you give the Spirit residency in your life, he starts to bear witness. He, you become a reflection. Jesus will call, you become a, a city on a hill. You become a light that begins to be in darkness. There's something different about you. Now let me clarify, not because you're a do-gooder, you know, not because you don't do, I remember in high school, you must be a Christian, you don't drink beer, because it's like we, it was illegal for us to drink beer, and I remember people asking me, you must be a Christian because you don't drink beer. Well, I don't know if that's necessarily the right thing. I don't think it's necessary about our good works, but there's something they can't quite figure out. It says the Spirit begins that work in us. And friends, that's freeing because you don't have to wear crosses. Crosses are great, but they can become idols of ourselves. They're to be something we remember Jesus, but it's the Spirit in us that makes us witnesses. The Spirit begins to change and transform us, and you find yourself having love and joy and peace and patience. Galatians 5, the fruits of the Spirit, and you can't even explain it, and it's one of these, whoa, people start to say, well, you're, you're different. Image bearing comes from the Spirit. That's, that's a simple point this morning, but I want you to recognize it starts there. Not from things you learn, but what's going on in your heart and soul. And when you start to love this way, love the Father this way, there starts to be a ripple effect around you. Romans 10, 17 says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. What message? Simply put, they didn't have the scriptures back then. They had Old Testament Torah and some prophetic words. It was sharing about who? Jesus. They hadn't even written letters about him yet, and it's saying this is about sharing Jesus. His story, his claim to be the Son of God, his 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 death and resurrection for you, his perfect life here on earth. It says, consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It's what's been left for us and we have this amazing book that God has left for us to, to give us that story. What a great thing that back in then they were passed down at campfire and in synagogue to read some of the scriptures, but we have, we call the Bible. Books that are in, in such beautiful symphony together that are in one mind and spirit that allow us to understand parts of God. We can't fully know him. It says, do you know in Revelation, that it will take eternity to fully know truth in God? It's going to take us that long, so any of you who are trying to figure it out before you leave here, probably won't happen. But he's left us enough. He's left us enough to speak the message. So let's pick up here. Image sharing comes from our words. 
Not only does it start with the Spirit as we give Him capacity, but we're to speak the words. So I got to do a ride-along. Again, I keep doing ride-alongs, and we have five other chaplains that are with us with the Brown County Sheriff's Department. And I, I just want you to know, friends, I take those things not because I want to be, oh, look at look what I'm doing again. There are 350 employees in the Sheriff's Department in this, in this county who pretty much can't go to church based on rotation. There are very few that can actually make it on a regular basis. And we just said, you know what? This is a great opportunity for us to bear witness. So I'm doing this ride along, and I meet this fellow, and I won't say his name, but it was a great ride. And we were arresting some of you and pulling some of you over. It was awesome. <laughs> you know, I have to admit, I get a little bit nervous because we went to someone's house in Howard, and I thought, crud, I hope and pray this is nobody I know from church. <laughs> I seriously, I thought that would be a, such an awkward moment of, you know, <laughs> like your pastor's there with you. That's how embarrassing. So behave, everybody. Um, so we had a few hours to ride together, and there was just the conversation that started the, the door open. And I said, I'm, he said, I'm not religious. And I said, good, because I'm not either. And he looked at me, and he's, you know, and I said, I love Jesus. Now, there's probably no other like room stopper than saying that phrase, especially in a sheriff's car. I thought I might get arrested at that point. What? Someone who grew up and was confirmed and, and had all this knowledge about. And as I start to say, that's why Easter is amazing. Because I'm called into a relationship with God. And that I don't have to work to prove and earn God's love. He did it through his son. I'm sharing this story. And he said, I've never heard that before. He said, I left for a lot of reasons the church and because I don't buy religion. I said, good, because I don't either. I said, but that's interesting. We have to share the words, friends. And for us to say, I love Jesus. Say that with me. Say, I love Jesus. It's a weird thing to say. Say in a room party or whatever, it'll like a commercial. <laughs> it freezes people. Because we say we love a lot of things, but loving Jesus, easier to say I'm a Christian or I go to church. We're to open up our mouths and proclaim our love for Him. Imagine if being married to Trisha, you never saw her sitting down here. You never, what if I just talked about, yeah, I'm married, but I never spoke her name or my love for her? Wouldn't you be confused? Wouldn't you wonder, am I really married? Do I care? I wonder, as we evaluated Peter this morning, what about evaluating us? Have we opened our mouths. I love him. Men, that's probably harder for us. It's, it's exposing, and so believe me, in a sheriff's car with guns and all this stuff and saying, I love Jesus. Image sharing comes from our words. So Peter, there's a transformation that happens. Jesus uh, is crucified on the cross as we're going to celebrate 
Good Friday and then resurrected. And then he ascends and says, I'm leaving you the Spirit. And look what happens when, G- when the Spirit enters into Peter's life. Then Peter stood up with the eleven. Now he's not afraid of a servant girl. He's standing up in front of a city that crucified Jesus and the tensions are peaked. That we're going to kill Christians. It was a farce. We killed their king. And he says with a raised voice and addresses the crowd, no servant girls anymore, I'm going to talk to all of them. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, listen to his proclamation. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk as you suppose. We're not, we're not you know, liquored up here. We have a great story, a great proclamation for you. He says, it's only nine in the morning. We couldn't be drunk. This is what the prophet Joel, and he is given words that God and the Spirit will give him. He says, fellow Israelites, and he goes down this speech, and he says, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was accredited, accredited by God to you by miracles. He just goes through his story. He just opens his mouth and proclaims. It says, this man was handed over to you by God's deliberate plan and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. He just telling the story. How many of us, how many, how many times have we shared this story? Image bearing, when we're, when we're just saturated by the capacity of the Spirit, it creates opportunities for us. But friends, it's opportunities for us to speak. Don't reduce your spiritual influence to, I'm just a silent Christian. Mm -mm. There are often passages in Scripture that talk about us proclaiming our love for Him here on earth amongst others. Have you ever kind of thought about heaven and if you get next to God and Jesus were to introduce you to the Father and said, well, they never really spoke my name. They, they, they never really said they loved me, but, you know, I knew inside they did, but they just they couldn't get over some of the embarrassment. But God, Father, here's this great person, Troy, whom I loved and died for. I, I think about that. And so it doesn't mean I wave a Bible around trying to blast everybody with verses. It means, can I just share? Paul will talk about this in Colossians. It's our theme verse we talked about for this year. and It says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. In other words, watchful is like standing on the tops of the walls of the cities in the Old Testament and looking and, and as a lookout. H- have you prayed and said, God, I want to be that attentive to the prayers that look, pray for us too that God may open a door for our message. I'm watching. I'm I'm waiting for the chance to say, I love Jesus. I love Him. Part of the reason I think in Green Bay, this city, that we have not watched God radically change our city. And again, I don't think fix evil and we're not going to redeem the city. It's God that only can do that alone. But there's a fear. There's this almost political correctness you don't talk about three things, right? 
what is that you don't talk about? Is religion, politics, what else is the one? Money or sex? I don't know, one of those two. Well, in, in the sheriff's car, we talked about all of them. Why? Because when we see these doors, we have a chance to speak a message that, that can change all of that. I think we're afraid and I think we get so politically hung up about, you know what, you don't talk about religion, let's just be tolerant of everyone. You know what, when the door opens, you need to speak. Not out of judgment, not out of telling someone how bad they are, but as the Gospel of John says, good news, amazing news, that in an Old Testament that talked about you had to get it right, everybody failed, that you have a chance to be free. I have great news. You've heard the, the metaphor before, but as, as um, my mother-in-law passed away almost three years ago now, that she, if we had the cure for cancer, could you imagine if our family had the cure for cancer, but just felt like, you know what, until she asks us, we won't tell her. That's ridiculous. You ever not been invited to something and been hurt that you weren't invited? Anybody? Anybody not been invited to something special and just hurt? Amplify that. Imagine the people that you've brushed up against in your journey where a door was open and them, years from now, having ended this life in a place that's distant from God, saying, I knew Troy. Why didn't he say anything? Why wouldn't he have told me that great news? Why wouldn't he have risked himself? Because the, the, the cost is amazing. Why couldn't he have risked himself a little bit and just shared this great news? I feel that weight. Paul will say, pray that we, can, that we can proclaim this mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. There's just this beautiful sense of Paul saying, I'm going to be thankful for what God's given me, but I'm praying for doors to open so I can share his story. I want to share the story of God that's written on my life. Sitting in a... In a patrol car, driving around Howard, arresting people, and saying, i got to tell you about Jesus I love. i got to tell you about, this is why the cross and crucifixion is amazing. Guys, I've had in the last three weeks several opportunities, and I think it's just simply not because I've created them. I think God's making me more watchful to speak it. And if, if anything's missing in our church, in our city, is a a body of believers that are ready to speak their love for Jesus. Amen? Where do we start? Probably, if who are you praying for? This is interesting in circles because some people get so hung up on, whoa, this is going to get awkward because if that person knew I was praying for them, this would get all weird. No, I, I think, wouldn't we kind of see that we've all been prayed for? Wasn't there somebody praying for you? That somebody risked to share their story and prayed for you? As Bobby and Sylvia come up, and we're going to go to communion, and I'm just reminded as we go around this room every week about communion, and can I say that if you do not know Christ, 
Communion is not a religious activity for you to kind of like get forgiveness and then be done. It is, as Jesus said and Paul will later say in Corinthians, that we do it as often as we can to remember the great gift of sacrifice and love for us in his son Jesus Christ. And that's great news. And that news should be shared. At the crosses you're going to find, there's going to be a a three-by-five card and some pencils or pens. What if you just wrote down a few names? Who's in your life that you're waiting for that opportunity where the door can open and you can say, I love Jesus? Friends, it doesn't have to be that complex. Last week, I was walking down the hallway with Bobby and Harper, and little Joel, how old's Joel? Four. Four years old, proud daddy, Bobby, is, wants to show off what his son knows, and so you, you, you do what? Go ahead. Well, he, had, he uh, uh, had learned in school just about the cross and obviously coming up with um, Easter, and so I, I said, tell Troy what you learned about, and uh, I said, what? Uh, I forgot exactly what I asked him, I just said, like, what, what did you learn in school? And he said, Jesus died on the cross. He said it, quas. And the quas, yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, and I said, what does it mean to die? And he says, to go to sleep. And, uh, and I said, and then what happened? And then he said, and Jesus came back to life. And, you know, very dramatic with his hands, like, Jesus came back to life. And I said, and what does that mean? And he said, we get to go to heaven. And it was just awesome to hear four-year-olds take yeah. on the life and death and resurrection. And you know what's so beautiful about that? We overcomplicate sharing. It's like the blooming of of a heart that's just saying, I get it, four-year-old. I don't have to overcomplicate. He doesn't know the four spiritual laws. He knows probably very little. But what he does know is what he needs to know. And that is that Jesus came and died. And we celebrate that this next week. And friends, I would just encourage you at the cross as God and the Spirit reveals to you, who can you begin to pray for? I have three names. Three names of people that I'm praying for that I want to see surrender their lives to Jesus with this great news. Father, will you, in these moments, as we go to the cross, not let us off the hook? Will you help us blossom just in our own love for you that we can open up our mouths and sing but also say that we love you to others. But God, will you also reveal us, uh, to us names of people that we begin to lift up to you and watch for those doors to open. And Father, might we be overwhelmed with grace and gratitude and thankfulness for the sacrifice you made for us. In Jesus' name, amen.